Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, everyone. Well, I have Wendy Shaw with me again. We still have things to talk about together. We were talking in our last podcast about hospitality. I wanted to read this scripture to you, 1 Timothy 5 verse 10, and it's in the passage of talking about widows. And in verse 10 it says, Well, we should perhaps go to verse 9. Let not a widow be taken into the number under three score years old, having been the wife of one man. Now, what was happening here was in this church, there were apparently many widows and uh, young Timothy didn't know what to do with them all. So he asked Paul, and Paul writes back to him and says, All right, the the women who are 60 years of age and over, they are the older women. And if they've lived a certain lifestyle, and we're going to read the lifestyle, I want you to look after them and they can be cared for by the church. Now, that's if they have nobody to care for them, because if they have children or grandchildren, they must look after them. That is a biblical uh, principle, that families must care for their elderly And it comes down to children, and if the children are not able to do that, then the grandchildren. So families should take that responsibility. But here there were some who did not even have families. And so he says, if they've lived this kind of lifestyle, I want you to look after them. So, verse 10, well reported of for good works. So we're going to read about these good works. If she has brought up children. It's interesting that the Bible always puts everything in order. There's nothing out of place. Everything is in order. And the very first thing is, if she has brought up children. She's embraced children. She's raised children. This was her very first thing. Now, the word brought up is the uh, Greek word, technotrophio, from two Greek words, technon, which is child, and trephe, which means to feed, to pamper with food, to nurture, even to suckle. It's all about feeding. Interesting, isn't it, dear mothers, that that is such a big part of our mothering. We're always feeding. There's breakfast, there's lunch, there's supper, and there's the in-betweens, and they're always hungry. And so we're always feeding. But, okay, that's part of bringing up children. Don't despise it. Embrace it. It's part of your mothering, a feeding, anointing. We, that's what we have to have as mothers. And it's a beautiful thing to serve our family with food. But this scripture carries on. 
And now we see the progression and the seasons of life of this woman. Because as her family is growing, she is reaching out more to people round about her. And it says if she has lodged strangers, she's opened her home in hospitality. Ladies, I found that that was my, apart from mothering, which was my number one, because that's who I am. I am a mother. God created me to be a mother. But out of that, my greatest uh, ministry as I was raising our children was hospitality. I mean, it's just so wonderful because there you are. You're in your home. You've got a home. You're cooking meals. Okay, just reach out beyond to bless others. And so it is such a wonderful ministry you can have. You don't even have to go outside your door. Goodness me. And you can touch so many lives. I um, It's interesting. The other day we had a guy um, living with us. Um, and he comes and goes and lives with us off and on and has done over the years. And he was working for someone. Um, It was an older lady, and she was looking after her mother, who was 100 years old. And uh, he he was saying, yes, but once a week, um, you know, someone comes and babysits for her so she can get out because she only gets out once a week. And I thought to myself, wow, goodness me. It's quite amazing if I even go out once a week because currently I don't have a car. I borrowed it to someone and it never came back. And um, anyway, so many times I don't go outside this place. um, Well, often more than a whole week. And yet, do you know, I thought about that and I thought, goodness me, I don't even notice it. I don't even notice it. Because I have so much to do and accomplish in my home. And I have so many people coming and going. And there are so many people to invite that I have so many on my list that I can never get through the whole list. And so I can never get lonely or feel that I am not fulfilled or feel that I'm not. I think I'm going everywhere because I've got people all the time. And so that's amazing, isn't it? You know, you, you, you never have to be housebound. Never in your life people say, I'm housebound. Oh, what a disgusting phrase. I don't even believe in it. I mean, I can be in my home, but I never feel housebound because the home is the greatest place to accomplish so many things. And it's a place when you can invite in so many people that you would never even notice that you're housebound. Anyway, so she opened her doors in hospitality. It says, if she has washed the saints' feet. That was hospitality too. Because when back in those Bible days, they walked the dusty roads in their sandals and and uh, no um, woman wanted these dusty feet walking all through her house. So they would wash their feet as they came in the door. And often it was the lowly servant who washed their feet. But this woman, maybe she she didn't couldn't afford servants. But she had such a big heart. She washed their feet herself. But that was to show hospitality. Washing feet is just to bring people into your home to show hospitality. And of course, if you're going to show hospitality, you've got to cook. You've got to feed people. But remember it started if she has brought up children. 
She'd been feeding children as you were raising children and you're feeding them and you're cooking meals. You're getting so good at cooking that it's nothing to cook for a few extra. And then it says, if she has relieved the afflicted. And so she's reaching out to those who are needy. And, and, and you, you see the picture of a mother and her mothering just keeps extending and enlarging and mainly through hospitality, all through her life. And this is the lifestyle, because God says, if this woman, this, these women, the 60 years of age of over, they've got no family, and they've lived this lifestyle, I want to reward them. I want you to care for them and make sure they're provided by the church. Isn't that great? Oh, I love all of that. And one thing about washing the feet, it seems like an older tradition, but really I've, I've done it um, for a lot of my friends. Um, one was in a hospital, you know, several at their homes. And it's something that is, um, if just the first time was a little bit, um, you know, new, but after a while, it's just, you just focus on the other person and he, I've got essential oil. Can I just wash your feet and then rub some essential oil into them? And it's just a good way to still serve others, even though it's a, an older practice, it still can be modern day. Yes. Yes. And, you know, we were uh, talking about other ideas of hospitality. There's so many amazing things you can think about. Just be creative, ladies. And there's so many people who, who just need encouraging. I remember back in New Zealand days, um, I, I remember I got this, this burden to, I was thinking about all the older people in our fellowship, living on their own. And I thought, oh, I'd just love to reach out to them. And of course, I often would have older people to my table, but I, I decided I wanted to do something big. And so I didn't keep it to myself. I, I began to talk to all the other young mothers and I say, hey, let's get together. Let's see if we can just put on this amazing dinner for all the older people. And so then it got beyond our homes. We, we asked if we could just have, you know, this big room in the church. And, and so uh, we, we, we began to put out the, the invitation Any. Every older person we knew, we even went to older people's homes and, and we invited all these older people. We ended up with about 100 older people. And so we all brought this food. You've never seen a feast like it. Everyone, all the mothers, we all got together. Well, no, we cooked in our own homes, but then we brought this food. I looked at this feast and I thought, wow, these older people are they're just hardly going to dent it. I mean, you know, they don't usually eat very big. You wouldn't believe it. They scoff a lot. I don't think they'd ever seen such glorious food. And it was such an amazing day. And I can remember another day, this was on the Gold Coast, where I thought, oh, well, let's do something special for the widows. Well, I often love to have widows at my table. I believe it's very important to reach out to those living on their own. But once again, I talk to some of the other mothers and I say, okay, let's get together and do something beautiful for all the widows that we know. So we all together thought of every widow that was living on their own and we had it at our home, but we put on this great big luncheon. We 
just made all this beautiful food and invited them all. And, uh, of course, they were so blessed. So not only did we feed them, of course, but, you know, amongst our children, there were those who could sing or recite or play a musical instrument. And, and we put on this little concert for them and uh, gave a little word to them and little gifts to each one. And uh, it was such a blessing. You can do these things. Sometimes if they get bigger, sometimes I would think of things and my vision gets bigger than me. So then I just include others to come in with me and do it together. And it's even more exciting. And include your children in hospitality. When you have a family over or you have, you know, a widow or an older person over, you can not only feed them at your table but you can bless them maybe your children play a musical instrument or they sing or they recite or they've been learning memory verses give them to do it for them these these people will love it and um oh so I, another thing i love is having young married couples over too that's a beautiful thing um oh i remember um, I often do this on Shabbat. Every uh, Friday evening, we keep Shabbat. We are not Jewish, but we do keep the Shabbat meal because it is the most beautiful meal, I think, that you can ever enjoy as a family because it is a meal where the mother of the home is blessed. Um, the father reads Proverbs 31 and he blesses and encourages his wife in front of the family. And then he, as the father, blesses and encourages each one of the children around the table. It's just so beautiful. And uh, you can read more about it. You can go to my webpage, look up the Shabbat meal and read about it. One night I decided we'd have a couple's night. And it was just the couples on the hilltop. There were about five couples. And uh, we had a glorious meal together. And then it was time where, you know, each husband will bless and minister to his wife and say all the beautiful things that he can think about her, which is so amazing. And then the wife can reply and speak to her husband. And I'll never forget that night. Everybody was... There were just such beautiful things that were said. But I remember Charlie and all of us girls. We always remember this night because we always say how great it was. Oh, we wish that our husbands had said that to us. But he was talking to Pearl. And of course, Charlie dotes on his beautiful wife, Pearl. You all know Pearl through Trim Healthy Mama. And uh, I don't think I know a husband who so dotes on his wife like Charlie does he just adores her but he said he said if I and maybe I haven't got it perfect because it was a few years ago if I could choose and I had was blessed to live another hundred years without Pearl but I had the choice of only one day with Pearl only one day more of my life I would choose that one day with Pearl. Isn't that beautiful? But anyway, I think you used to do, um, you know, things for marrieds too, didn't you? Yes, we love to encourage marriage. And I love hearing all the things that you've done. It's just so, so edifying. And uh, one thing that we did was have a marriage dinner. So for several years in a row, we on 
February 14th, we would invite couples over and we try to mix and match um, some newly marrieds with some people that have couples that have been married a long time. And we would have about five or six couples over and we would recreate a wedding day. Um, we would have a white um, runner come all the way up to the, up our steps and into our house and have rose petals on there and have everyone sign a guest book when they walk in. And we would have a table with a, an official made uh, from a baker, a wedding cake. And we asked everyone to bring their wedding photos, either in an album or framed, whatever they wanted to share from their wedding day so that we could all look at each other's and see, you know, the differences that have occurred over the years and um, get to know a little bit more about each other. And then we would have a five course dinner and our children served us. And it was so much fun. And we would put together a quiz um, previously before they came over we would ask them to fill out this little survey of tell us the most um funny thing that happened on your wedding day or most unexpected or the most um surprising and uh, which is like same unexpected but generally like a survey of different odds and ends that people wouldn't normally know and then my husband would put it together as did you knows and so we would all get to find out details about each other's special days and then just um, bless each other and uh, be ex- uh, celebrate our marriages and what God has done through um, each other as we conform to his image um, using how God uses other people, specifically our mates, to shape us and just see all the, the different blessings that come from that. So that's that's one thing that we really enjoyed, and and if um, anyone could do anything even similar to that, you know, in your own personal special way, we highly encourage it. Yes, and as you are listening to us share some of these things, I know that God will be putting creative ideas in your heart and mind. You don't have to do it exactly like we've been sharing, but, you know, it just sparks off something creative you would like to do. And I think it is a beautiful thing to reach out to married couples because I believe in this hour, marriages need strengthening. Oh my, there's just so many marriages falling apart. And that's, you know, I was just thinking this morning, marriage, marriage is God's idea. It's God's plan. He's the one who designed it. And because he designed it, he designed it to work. It's not meant to fall apart. It's only sin that comes in, and it's the work of the devil that causes marriages to fall apart. And now I know that maybe maybe I'm talking to some, and you know, you were part of a marriage that did fall apart. And sometimes, you know, when one one of the spouses just has given in to the devil and into sin and there's nothing anyone can do about it, which is so sad. But when we are willing to do it God's way, it it does work because God designed it to work. But it only works when we do it biblically. And uh, so we do need to encourage one another in marriage 
And we don't really hear very many um, messages at church on family or marriage, do we? I think we need to um, hear a few more. Now, Wendy, I remember you telling me that uh, when you meet an older couple, you always ask them a question. What is it? Yes, so we have an opportunity to travel throughout the United States and go to many different places. And I will seek out the older married couples there. And I always ask a question. And the question is, so what advice would you give to someone else to share with how you have been able to keep your marriage going and lasting so long? And I've always heard, um, I've heard different responses, but Generally, the two that are the most common is one is communication. Make sure that you are communicating with each other and work on that. And number two is forgiveness. And one lady, um, she's a sweet, sweet lady. Uh, I think they were married 60, 60 years. And she had said, every day, I forget what my husband did the day before. So each day is brand new. And I loved that. I really, really loved that. Like, remember the good things that he did the day before, but forget the bad. And so um, that's been really encouraging to me to hear those same things over and over from the couples that have been married so long. Yes, I love that. Forgiveness. I think forgiveness um, is such a big one. I mean, people can just become stubborn in their unforgiveness. And it's just going to ruin their lives. Not only ruin their marriage, but it will ruin their life and it will ruin their family's life and everybody's life. Because unforgiveness, oh, it's one of the most destroying things that can we can ever hold on to in our lives. We have to let go and forgive. Often that's the hardest thing to do, but, but we must forgive. And Jesus said, I mean, we're not even going to be forgiven ourselves if we don't forgive. So we have to keep forgiveness in our marriage. Now, Wendy, what about your marriage? How? Tell me. Our marriage, uh, we've been married 29 years. And it's, it's been great. We, were, we met and were married within a year. And... Um, Kevin's nine years older than me, and we are uh, opposites in a lot of ways. And that is that has been something that has been challenging, but also strengthening, because um, in our um, God is made strong through our weaknesses. And so, um, also, and I can see in our marriage how He perfectly designs couples and to complement each other. And where my weaknesses are Kevin's strengths, and um, what little weaknesses Kevin has, then um, those are sometimes I'm stronger in. And so that's been really fun to see um, how God uses different personalities to accomplish what he's, um, our, our souls conforming to his image. Yes, yes. Yes, I think sometimes you see, you know, couples, one is more outgoing and one is quieter and um, they just blend together. I'm not quite sure what happened with our marriage because Colin and I are both outgoing and both strong and uh, but somehow we've managed to um, just keep together as one and um, 
and love one another more and more as the years have gone by. Even though we're both strong in our convictions, we don't even always agree. But as Colin says, you know, we don't have to agree with one another. We just have to love one another. Kevin has a saying that we don't have to think alike, just think together. Yes, that's good. So good, isn't it? Oh, yes. So anyway, now there were some other things that we were talking about. And um, yes, that you wanted to... Oh, yes. We've talked in uh, one of the podcasts um, with... Um, Wendy about praying for your children and some of you have already written in and asked for those links and uh, if some of you want to we yet um, I'm happy to send them uh, just send them to me at nancy at aboverubies.org and uh, I can send you um, Wendy's 20 points for praying for your children and then I have a list of 23 points for praying for your children so it, it just gives you some encouragement there but you were sharing with me how there's you know you have different seasons um, throughout your life with your children you know there's when they're little and you're praying different things when they're little than when they're getting older and then they get older again and there's different areas where you're honing in in prayer what's your most honing in prayer uh thing at the moment wendy yeah nancy i love your your um we had similar things on our list and i love how yours were phrased and worded too and just you know right out of scripture and it's so good to see all the different ways that we're praying for our children it's so so encouraging to see all these um these these ways that you can pray to make it more um, uh, habitual and to make it uh, more to just remind ourselves how essential it is. So anything that we can have in front of us and I tape mine to the wall. I have some of my Bible just to refresh and remind myself because there's so many things to pray for. And right now we are, I'm concentrating on that they would love God's word and they do love it, but I want them to fall in love with it more and more because God's word is his love letter to us. So I want them to love his love letter. And as I'm praying for that, we, um, I remembered, um, we have a triple A, we call it. This is a quote from your book. The attitude of our heart will determine the atmosphere of our home, which will affect the actions of each member of our family. So... We have AAA roadside insurance, and um, this is kind of like our triple AAA culture, Christ-like uh, insurance in our home that we are reflecting Christ in our attitude because that does each one of our attitudes affects each other. And the more that we love God's word and love to do it, then the more that we're going to be blessing each other and serving each other and living the way he wants us to. Yes, and I think another thing, as the children uh, are getting older, we're, and you know, they're getting to go out and face the world, uh, we, we have to pray so much for them uh, to be strong and to stand. I remember when I was back in Australia, uh, our children were in their late teens, going on to their 20s, and out there facing the world and uh, we were very close to the beach you know right on the Pacific Ocean I used to walk down every morning and and it was so great I could just walk the beach and the and the Pacific waves were just 
pounding in and, and nobody could hear me crying out. I could just cry out aloud to the Lord to, you know, just keep them um, just in uh, in his will and in his righteousness and keep them from evil and help them to stand strong and cry out for them. And, you know, I would often do that for an hour walking along the beach. That was where I prayed when I was on the Gold Coast of Australia. I think you, um, that's something on your heart too, isn't it, Wendy? Is praying for courage and strength. Absolutely, yes, especially um, in our culture, as it gets darker, we need to be an even stronger light. And we need to, and I pray for my kids to stand up for what's right and have the courage, even if it means to stand alone. And that is something that we have to take the first step in. And God gives us the courage when he sees our willingness. And so it's not something we can say, give us courage and then I'll do it. We have to show God we are, we, that is what our heart's desire is. And then he will finish that. There's a quote that I had read, um, faith is taking the first step, even when you can't see the whole staircase. And that's basically been our life, that we always have to take that first step. And then God says, okay, now I'll show you the next step. And um, we have just been so um, centered on our following God that sometimes our convictions are different than other people's, even in the Christian community. And that takes courage to stand alone too. If, if all Christians are going to see a movie and these are good Christians that I like, they love God. And we think, no, this isn't something that we feel we should do to be able to stand firm in our hearts, knowing, no, this is, God is calling us this way and we need to go a different direction. So I'm amazed that often, you know, well, Many people know my standard of what I would go to see. And sometimes I've had, oh, um, well, Nancy, this is a very good movie. I think you would like it. And I've actually gone and I've been disgusted. I mean, I can't believe how low the standard is in the Christian world at what we look at. I mean, we rarely do go to a movie, um, but, you know, sometimes there is something that is wholesome and powerful, and there's been some good Christian movies that have come out. Actually, I have... Did you get to see the last um, God's Not Dead, We the People? Wasn't that good? Boy, they were really standing up for, you know, homeschooling, and it was really very good. But I love the scripture in Daniel 11, 32. And uh, this is in the face of persecution. And uh, it says here, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. That's the King James Version. But actually, when you go to the Hebrew, you find the word exploits is not in the original. It just says, but the people that you know their God shall be strong and do. I like that. That's just as powerful, really. And of course, there are other translations that say that they will be strong and take action. Uh, Some other translations say they will be strong and resist. And, um, you know, we're facing evil. We're facing wickedness. We're facing tyranny. Do we succumb to that? No, we 
stand strong and we resist. And so we've got to train our children to have this attitude, don't we? To have this strength in this hour of such deception and delusion all around us. And particularly at this time, um, it's just an amazing time in our whole world. But I'm amazed at how well, it seems to be that there are more and more who are now standing up, who are beginning to see what is actually happening, and they are beginning to stand up and to resist. But we have to, as mothers, we are the ones who show our children the way. If, if we haven't got strong convictions about what is evil and what is wrong, how are they going to have them? They have to see, in fact, we are to teach our children uh, to discern between that which is evil and that which is righteous, between that which is clean and that which is unclean. And uh, it shouldn't be blurry. We, we're raising our children to have that strong, uh, they see clearly the difference and they will stand against the evil. Uh, we're to, you know, we're to just hate evil. We're to um, abhor evil. Romans tells us that word abhor actually means to shudder at evil. And that's a huge thing because it's so easy to get used to things, isn't it? Just get used to things. We dare not let ourselves ever get used to abortion. You know, we can even sort of forget how terrible it is and that it's murder i mean we have to keep strong in our hearts at what it is so we will never ever just take it lightly we must never get used to homosexuality because the bible says it's an abomination we must never get used to transgenderism and all this evil because it's so against God and we must resist and we must stand strong and we must do that which God wants us to do. Amen. And so as we have these convictions, then our children will get them. If we're all fluffy and we don't really know, and we, you know, I was reading the other day, someone asked a Christian, a question, um, it was on an issue, and I thought, well, my answer would be, this is what the Bible says, and I'm against it. But this Christian was saying, well, we don't always know everybody's circumstances, and really, we can't really, you know, take a strong stand. Oh, for goodness sake, if we can't take a strong stand against evil, well, where are we going? I mean... It's either one or the other. We belong to the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of holiness, or the kingdom of Satan, which is a kingdom of death and destruction and evil. It's one or the other, isn't it? Yes. Knowing God's word is knowing God. And the more we know God, the more we know his will and his ways. And so it's important to refresh ourselves with that every single day. Oh, yes. Which reminds me, we've got to stop. We're coming to an end. We always come to an end too quickly. But you have a special way of reading the Bible in your family. So just tell the ladies about it before we close. Most of you know that we like to read the Daily Light on the Daily Path. 
Um, it's just scripture, scriptures from uh, all over the Bible on a different theme for each morning and each evening. We love that. Um, although now, currently in the evening, we're going through the book of Revelation, reading a chapter each night. And uh, whoa, we are wowing ourselves every night as we read. I mean, Revelation is so powerful, isn't it? In fact, I I have just read it through a couple of times myself, but somehow when I'm hearing it aloud, wow, I'm just hearing things that it even somehow hear when I was reading. Anyway, tell us what you do, Wendy. Yes. So I love how everyone does um, the Bible different for their family time. And this is something that we've been able to do in ours that we have so thoroughly enjoyed. And we took the Moody Bible schedule for a reading in a year, and we've done it for the last 16 years, and we've um, never missed a day. So that looks different every day. It's, it's not maybe a typical what other people do, but we want to hear his spoken word every day. And my husband, being a teacher, um, he thought, oh, I'll make quizzes for each of these Bible readings. So he came up with 365 quizzes and uh, it's, it's over 4,000 questions. And what it does is just facilitate the understanding that our children have when they're reading it or discussion starters. And we haven't done the quizzes every single year, but it's really been beneficial for us and our children have loved to do it. And that's, that's something that gets us to uh, read the Bible from cover to cover in a way that really uh, sinks it in more. I've noticed that our children will bring up some sometimes obscure stories that aren't the most popular ones like Daniel in the lion's den. And it's because they've, they're so familiar with the Bible and, and the passages in there that it's just part of them. And like God says, his word never comes back void. And so that is a part of them. And God can use that in their lives later on whenever he needs to. So um, I also like because we can do those what's called flyover books, my husband calls them, where Nahum isn't something that people go to to usually start their Bible time. It's um, not one of the most popular books, but we get to read through all of those books. They're all in the Bible for a reason, and so we don't want to miss anything. Amen. You're giving your children the whole counsel of God. And that's about four chapters every day, isn't it? That is so wonderful. I love it. It reminds me of a couple of things. One time Colin and I were um, ministering in Europe and we actually... Uh, we got on the boat. We usually fly over to Europe, but we'd been ministering in the UK and we got a ship from UK to the Netherlands. And these folk were there to meet us and we went back to their home. We'd been uh, just sh on the boat overnight. And then we arrived at their home for breakfast. And they had these little children around the table and they were reading through the whole Bible. They would read through the Bible, then they would start again. And they were up to a chapter on all the begats. And I was amazed. Here they were, the father was going through this chapter, this one begat so-and-so and this one begat so-and-so, and he didn't even leave one out. I was amazed. And these little children are just listening. I thought, wow, that's faithfulness to the word of God. So you would always include all the begats. We did. We probably totally 
butchered their name pronunciations, but we would say them. And we were thinking to that person that's name is in the Bible. It's probably really important to them. I love my name in the Bible for in part of that genealogy. I know. I remember one preacher saying, if your name was there, you would read it every day. Yes. And uh, there, oh, yes, that also reminds me of the book, 10 Peas in a Pod. Have you read that book? Oh, it's one of our favorites. Yes. Oh, dear ladies, I've got this book in stock um, at here at Above Rubies. You can just go online to aboverubies.org and uh, you can buy 10 peas in a pod. Well, it was written years ago, but it's the most amazing story of this guy, uh, this father who had a heart to preach. So he gathered up his um, eight children and uh, they just went right through USA and Canada, preaching everywhere, wherever God opened up the doors. But this man loved the word of God and he was faithful to read it to his family. And it didn't matter where he was, he would do it. And so, well, I have to confess, ladies, I've never got to what he did. But it's so It's worth reading about. And anyway, can you just hang on a little bit more? I'm over time, but let me tell you what happened. He would read to his children for one hour after breakfast. Then after lunch, he would read to the children again for one hour after lunch. Then after supper, he would also read to the children for another hour. Three hours of hearing the word of God. And as the children got older, he would encourage them to have their own quiet time and to have their reading of the word before they got up for breakfast. So they were encouraged to have an hour before they got up. So that's four hours in the word. Well, consequently, these children grew up totally knowing the word. Most of them could recite the whole New Testament verbatim and many chapters of the Old Testament. But there was one thing I read in this book that really was quite amazing. The It was the oldest son who actually wrote the book and um, he has been to our home. We sat together in this very lounge and talked. It was so beautiful to talk with him. And I was able to ask, you know, how has this lived out in your lives? And he was able to share how in all the family, the word has just produced such blessing. And now, you know, they are having grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But anyway, he said, that many times they would be staying with Christian families as they were preaching in a certain church. And each time the father would always say to the host and hostess, he would say, "Uh, now I love to read God's word to my family after the meal. Would you be happy for me to do this? And they say, yes, yes, of course, yes. I mean, they were a Christian home. But then he would also ask another question. "Um, Would you like to join us? Did you know that the answer was no one ever joined them? Oh, you just go ahead. We've got things to do. And these were Christian homes. Isn't that amazing? But that's always been a great challenge to me. Oh, you'll love the book. It's also a great adventure of all their adventures. But let's pray, shall we? Oh, dear loving and 
Heavenly Father, we love you. We love your word. We love your ways. Lord God, please draw us closer to you, closer to your heart, closer to your ways and your design, the way you planned for us to live in our marriages and our homes and our families. Draw us more into your heart and into your ways. We ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.